Welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, podcast number 40. I'm your host, Brian. With me this evening is Eric. 40? Wow. Yeah, I know. 40. That's a lot. Yeah, we turned 40. Uh, and of course, Kimberly. Hey there, everybody. And Mac. Hey, folks. And Ian. I'm hearing voices. Where are they coming from? Okay. All right. Well, then let's get started on that note. <laughs> coming over the internet. <laughs> That's right. Uh, how is everybody doing? It's a series of tubes. Series of, oh, it's, it's right. It's not a truck. It's a series of tubes. All right. Very good. Everybody's good. Yeah, no, it was too doggone hot today. Two guys. It was only ninety. Yeah, it's not as bad as it was last yeah. week or the week before. It, it cooled was, down. It was hotter the week that uh, the weekend that uh, Kim and I were playing in the park. That day was hot. Yeah, we'll have to go over the uh, results of our our activism. Yes, at some point here. Should we start yeah, with that? And, and, and you're going to have to. Do you want to start with that? Also, oh. Brian, I want to hear how bowling went with your daft friends. Oh, I didn't get there. Uh, I, I got there, but yeah. I didn't find them. Um, I went to the counter and asked the counter, you know, is this group here? They didn't know anything about it. And I have never – I didn't recognize this group. I looked in the bar. I didn't really see them. I, I, I couldn't identify them, which is strange because atheists okay. stick out. Maybe you should have <laughs> asked somebody behind the counter instead of asking the counter. That would have been wise. I you know, didn't think of that. It's, yeah, no, I, asked yeah, the, I wasn't along. I would have had that idea. I, I asked the person behind the counter, and they did not know, so so I left. So I'll try again. Sounds we'll like a sounds like a right wing Christian plot to me. It might have been. All right, Kim. Go Guy ahead. behind the counter is keeping you away from the atheists. Kim, what what are you what are you what are, are you referring to our are you our activism? Yeah, well, I figure we can just kind of go over real quick. We did the Ask an Atheist event. Didn't was that just last Saturday? Yeah, I maybe guess the that Saturday was. before. I'm completely lost. I don't know. I thought we covered but, it. But uh, I don't remember. <laughs> Did we already talk about this? Didn't we talk about this? Yeah. We talked about them happening. Oh, we didn't talk about the results. Yeah. Did anything interesting come from them? Somebody asked us who we prayed to. Yes, somebody asked us who we prayed to. And when we said no one, he kind of said, well, that's what I thought. And of course, you know, yeah, that was pretty much it. I mean, and then another guy rode past us on a bike and said, fuck Jesus. So it was 50 50. Yeah. <laughs> there, there was apparently a couple of conversations at the home base, but we had about 20 people out there, which I thought was really terrific. I wouldn't have thought that many people would do it. We did not get a whole lot of people coming and stopping, but it was about 304 degrees out, and yeah. um, there wasn't a ton of people in the park anyway. And, um, yeah, I, I kind of think we need to work on our delivery yep. a little bit, figure out how to interact with people and not kind of scare them off, but at the same time not be passive about it either so we're probably going to try another one in september sometime there seems to be a good amount of interest in it so we'll see what happens next yeah i think that'll you know i think part of it is having the the proper sign and i think that you know some of the ideas that were discussed you know put up you know the the basic fallacies about atheists and then go from there Mm -hmm. and use and use that you know so here are the things that aren't true about atheists what else do you want to know you know kind of a thing right um i think that was a good suggestion Definitely, if we can get some signs made up that are more more legible, um, that one the gentleman who brought a sign that was an excellent sign that looked good. Yeah, he did. He did terrific. So yeah, so we're we're still figuring things out, but I think we'll we'll try it again, and I think we'll we'll get some traction. I think we're learning. The biggest so, thing is there's not too much else. Co- Sorry, what was that? So you need a fact, of course. Right now, that'd be one question. Well, no, we kind of have you know um, atheists. We don't hate God. Yeah. Uh, we Frequently don't need asked questions, right? Right. I think that there, there's some that we can put on there. 
Okay. Well, I just wanted to go over. So I, I like the idea of having like a little bit of a local time events coming up in Colorado, um, but there aren't a whole lot for August. Um, there is a meeting that's going to be talking about humanist celebrants on Sunday. Um, the humanists are putting that on at their monthly meeting. I think that should be pretty interesting. It goes into you know the talk about okay, so we've we're outside of the normal. Um, human milestone celebrations that churches do, you know, marriages, uh, funerals, and stuff like that. You know, where do people who are non-religious go for that kind of thing? And the celebrants are supposed to be kind of that that person who could officiate at these events and and kind of help people with the life milestones that I think are those are what people really do have in common. You know, I mean, again, they're usually handled by religion, but I don't think they need to be. So um, I really wanted to hear more about that one, but I'm gonna I'm gonna miss it. But I think it sounds like a really interesting one. Um, and then the only other real major thing going on is Skeptic Camp in Colorado Springs. I wanted to plug that one again because uh, I think that should be a really great meeting. Uh, go to skepticamp.org for more information on that. And uh, hopefully by the next time we have a, a podcast, there'll be a lot more stuff coming up. I think as summer starts winding down and people get more into wanting to hang out and talk rather than enjoy the, the weather. And the other thing is on the 20th is IIG Colorado. That's coming up as well. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And we'll we be, are not on meetup at this point. I know we're not. I need to fix that. My fault. Okay. Yeah. And I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I, I've been kind of waiting for um, uh, Michael Vogel. He's going to put me on there as an organizer. So, so, I'll be, so I'll be able to organize other events too, whatever we, whatever, you know, we want to do. If we have other stuff we want to do, I'll be able to just post that on meetup. So. I, I'm great. Yeah, I thought that was reasonable. And yeah, he, and we got and we got to meet Michael the other night at uh, the Harry Potter event. Yeah, that was Brian, fun. myself, and Sean participated in that. Yep. So that was interesting. And I don't know if you guys caught it, but Ari had a um, the guy who spoke, he, who wrote the the book that we discussed that night on the values of Harry Potter, wound up having an editorial in the Sunday Denver Post. So that oh, was interesting, okay. just seeing him twice in one week. Yeah, it was interesting. I I kind of left that wondering kind of exactly what the point was i i i hope it's better laid out in the book i mm-hmm. felt like i was missing something i don't know how did you feel about I it i think i think he might have been a little nervous yeah that was probably it he i think he was a little nervous you know the question and answer yeah. went it, very it did well. jump around a little bit yeah. but you know just comparing like some of the themes and and images to you know Christianity and other religions and and other books and stuff like that. I mean, you can go in a lot of different directions with it. I, I kind of I, I thought the the talk that we had about comparing that to then like C.S. Lewis was was kind of interesting. But you can draw parallels and you can also draw you know things that don't fit fairly easily. Yeah. <laughs> so it felt a lot like a college English class to me. <laughs> you know, my thing with Harry Potter is can't fiction just be fiction? I mean, why does it? Why? Why do people have to get upset um, because it's against their religion in some way? That you know, they're not promoting black magic. It's just fiction. But you know, it was interesting. The you know, the piece of it where, where they're talking about you know these Christians that you know that there's they're they're like polarized opposites. You know, the others are saying, hey, these are great Christian values, and the other ones are saying, no, it's promoting the occult. I thought that was an interesting well, comparison. Fiction is never just fiction, Brian. No, oh. I mean fiction always inspires people to do things in the nonfiction world. Okay. Fiction inspires, um, you know, think of all the, all the devices that we've come up with thanks to Star Trek. Well, yeah. The cell phone. But that's um, science fiction. It's different. 
<laughs> all fiction, hey, all fiction inspires people to do great things. It's part of what all makes us human. Okay, but that doesn't mean it promotes the occult. No. Right. I mean, just because somebody is doing magic in a book doesn't mean that they're saying, hey, you can do this in real life, too. That's never what Harry Potter said. And that's one of the one of the issues that I've heard, you know, is that the promoting of magic. Well, no. It's a tool in that world. So, you know, or a device, you know, a plot device. Considering that the Bible is fiction, too. I was going to say that. Yeah, I think the reason yeah. people get so upset is they've already vested quite a bit of their time and energy into taking fiction far too fucking seriously. So the fact that they translate it then to Harry Potter might not be that surprising. No, it's, it's probably not. Not so very surprising. <laughs> no. So, Brian, yeah. yeah. Did you just did you just say that Harry Potter's a tool? Yes, I did. I said Harry <laughs> Potter's a tool. That was that. It was my exact quote, Eric. <laughs> well, yeah, but... yeah, well, yeah. That Daniel Radcliffe is bad news. Didn't you see him on Extras? No. Oh, that was a great episode yeah, all of Extras. I know is, um, I, I've heard stories about how he like will go up on stage and strip naked and run around and really some you know, pretty messed up stuff. Yeah, the show where he's on Extras is, is pretty fun. Actually, all three of the young actors in that are kind of trying to distance themselves from, the, from those parts now. Well, sure. So, yeah. All right, you know, so they can, so they don't have Mark Hamill syndrome and not get, not ever get employed again. Yeah. All right, tell me about Marvel turning fifty years old. Okay. Well, I just found out a few hours ago that today marks the fiftieth anniversary of the publication date for issue one of Fantastic Four for Marvel Comics, which basically is the beginning of they call it the Marvel Age, but in truth, it's the beginning of the modern age of comic books. It's what started, you know, what we have today as comic books and superheroes and all that. You know, even though you had, like, Superman and Batman and stuff that were older, they had faded away at that time. And Marvel Comics brought them, you know, the superhero comic back to the forefront with Fantastic Four, followed by, like, X-Men and Spider-Man and the Avengers and such. And so, um, you know, today's kind of a cool day for that. But it got me thinking, and I've been thinking about it for a little bit before this, um, you have other um, noticeable science fiction franchise that are about to hit 50. In two years' time, Doctor Who will be 50. And a couple years after that, Star Trek turns 50. These are established science fiction franchises. And that got me thinking about, you know, what was going on 50 years ago. It sounds like we were at a time of some pretty um, intense changing in our way of thinking. Because if you look at it, it does seem like we got more creative. We got more out there some some changes definitely started. And with a bunch of these 50th anniversary of what, to me, are fairly important um, inspirational wait, wait, wait. Go, franchises... Go back. You're, like this. you're making okay. a claim here that all of a sudden, 50 years ago, is when we became more creative. And I say that's Around hogwash. The... I'm going to have to go hogwash on that, too. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, um, the, the weird tales were... were Weird Tales magazine was out in the 30s prior to that. Uh, well, yeah, the, the stuff had been out, but it hadn't picked up in the same way. It hadn't yeah, but, gotten as noticed. The society wasn't as accepting of it. That's a that. distribution, I, I, though. That's a distribution method. That's no, not, that's that's not, a, that's not a measure of creativity. It's, no way. No, okay, it's, it's not a measure I of creativity. Of, it's, it's of accepting the creativity and embracing it more. I, I kind yeah. of object to... I kind of object to using the term franchises here because franchises is what they are now, but really what these characters are meant to be is they're meant to be icons. Okay. They're, they are, they are kind of uh, 
perfected perfected versions of what mankind is supposed to be. Right. But the essence is about 50 years ago, the, if you look at it, there seems to have been some, some societal change where this was becoming more accepted. You know, the creativity... Okay, it's not necessarily that it was a boom in creativity. It was a boom in accepting the creativity. And see, and I I would even question that. I would question that because I would think that, you know, coming around the 50s and stuff like that, we had better distribution channels, and we were able to get it to more people so more people could become accepting of it. I I don't know. I'm with Ian on this. Really? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, just... Look at society. We, ha- I mean, you're right. It's certainly not the first time that people were interested in stories and stuff like that. Clearly, we've always been interested in stories. But just in America, you know, you had your your 40s, you know, with the World War II, major, obviously, stuff going on there. Very, very serious stuff in a lot of ways. And the 50s, I think, are characterized. And obviously, this is not universal. It's not across the board. But there was a, a bit of a whitewash going on in America. There was a lot of groupthink going on. There was a lot of, I would say, a, a fairly interesting lack of creativity in some major components. Certainly not everywhere okay. across the board. I, I'm gonna, I'm and gonna I make think that the '60s reinvented some of that stuff and I'm, really kind of reinvigorated it. I think that these things happen slowly over time, and I think that that this may be when the when the measurement happened. But I'll bet there were things building up to it. And I'm gonna cite gay marriage as my example because I think that this is going to happen in the future, right? This is finally at some point right. the, there's going to be it's slowly but surely we're going to penetrate and this is going to become a norm that yeah why was that ever illegal and then and and when you look back on it people you know you say oh look all of a sudden this was accepted but yet but it's been a very slow transition to to make this happen it didn't happen all overnight and i think most things are like that and and the reason that i have really big issues with this is because when you look at these metaphysical people they want to they want to tell us that there's going to be a consciousness shift and this is the same kind of thing that you're presenting to me and i don't buy it I'm, I'm not saying it's a consciousness shift. I'm saying it's a societal shift, which is different. It's it's not like we're all, all of our minds, you know, the, the human race changed suddenly overnight. But the, however it was presented to society, it became more accepted to enjoy this. You know, they, 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 to me, I definitely see a trend, a, a change in how society was um, looking at. And you want to go to the gay marriage thing? That's the same thing. Society, you know, it didn't happen overnight to, to change into. Um, getting more into enjoying the creativity that it took time, just like it's taking time to get the game urge thing going. But there is a societal shift right now for that, and w- w- when it happens, what will be looked at is the time frame right around when it happened, even if it did take you know a, a decade or two before of-, of work to get there. And that's exactly decade- why what you're saying is hogwash. No, it's not Hogwarts, though, because the decade or two ahead of that where it was building up is not when the change happened. It was when the the building blocks were being put into place to make the change happen. Then the change happens when you the society, however it um, adjusts, adjusts. And, you know, that to me, that's what it looks like happened about 50 years ago. There was a huge adjustment in society. Whether or mm-hmm. not the building blocks had been being put together beforehand are, you know, that, yes, that's important. But the true change seems to have happened about 50 years ago. And we have a lot of stuff that was created at that point that got mainstream while the stuff before that, there's some people who still offends it, but it doesn't have the same kind of following. 
did for I, a while. You know, but... I, yeah, but are you basing this on one data point? What's your other data point? I want more data points. Well, I'm looking at how many different things are um, hitting their 50th anniversary right now that have actually been established that whole time frame. They've not been faded. It doesn't have to do with distribution quite possibly. You know, with television coming into the works, stuff like that, it's been able to um, keep this stuff a, a new life every so often in order to keep it active in our society. That could be a very big proponent of why this happened. But it seems like a lot of stuff is turning 50 right at, at this point in time, which to me says there's a significance to however we were about 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, what, and what things I, are turning 60 right now that have the same impl- implications. And you know what I think? Well, I think that turning, science has gone as far as it's going to, and it's not going to progress any further. What's turning 70 what? is, uh, let's see, Flash Gordon, <laughs> Buck Rogers, Superman, which Batman. Which so, faded to Yeah, know, but hey, time. Eric, so. Eric, Flash Roger, Flash. Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers, those got killed by the by the eighties. There's no right. there's and no so life maybe in the twenties that the are talking about. I don't know. I think that you could maybe find the same things that are turning sixty and you know, fifty always seems to be some sort of mommy monumental thing. I mean you can go back and you can look at when Mickey Mouse turned fifty and I mean I, I, I just I think it's arbitrary and I Here's here's my yeah. thought on this, Brian. All right. Um this is nineteen sixty one that we're talking about, fifty years ago today. 1961, I think people were looking for something to show them a future because we had the threat of nuclear war hanging over us at that time. I think people were looking for something to show us a future, and that's why these things became so popular as they were. The X-Men showed us that, hey, yeah, radiation can do things to us, but sometimes it can do cool things. The Fantastic Four showed us that, yes, there may be threats from the stars, but, you know, that may make us into better humans. So on and so forth. I think that a lot of this is about people looking for a future and an inspiration in fiction, as I said before. And I'll bet that if people at the time that they eased into these things and they wouldn't see it that way. And only in hindsight can, can we even put these kinds of numbers on things. I, I got to disagree with you, Brian. The 60s were a very changing time for this country. I mean, it's, it's iconic how much change happened in the 60s. I don't think there were a lot of people sitting back going, ah, whatever. You had tremendous differences. And I'm not saying that they weren't building up. I mean, to your point, sure, they're, they're, they're based on, of course, every societal step. But I'm sorry, the, the 60s were a major change decade. And I, I think you're dismissing that a little bit too callously. I, I don't think I, – I, I'm just wondering if it's any more changing than the one before it and the one before it and the one before it and the one before it. I think that – I think that I we, would I would say that the change since then has been a kind of on a similar trend. I would – I mean just, just I, looking yeah, I, at I, things, the way we do history, I, I think that is the start. I mean it's the start of so many things. It's the start of the information age. It's the start of the um, – the social revolution that's that's still going on today. That, those things started in the 60s, and and I will grant you that the 70s have their own flavor and had had just as much change. So so did the 80s, so did the 90s, um, the aughts, if you will. Well, if I you mean, look but, at but before that, things, things moved yeah. slower. Yeah. Well, well I agree that the pace has picked up. You know, I, I agree with that. On, on Brian's point, though, the 50s were just as huge of a change. From the 40s, the 40s were just as huge of a change no, from the 30s. I'd say no, not quite as huge. After the, I you, think they you look are. at 60s 
and before that, it, 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 there were changes, yeah, but I don't think it was quite as huge, and I don't think, it, you know, it, it started moving faster at that point. Well, maybe you could put it on a log logarithmic scale and, and, and see that kind of progression, and as we get more people, I think that things did move faster. I, I just, I don't know. I, I know that we, that people, that as humans, we really want to put those kind of time frames on things, and I, and I, I just, it always, it always bothers me, because I think that these things build up over time. Okay. Yeah, I guess I, I don't disagree that they they go over time. I just I think we're living in a different era, and I I would say fifty years ago is when that era again not not created out of nothingness. It certainly was a factor of lots of different things, and there certainly was change. But I mean, let's take a look at scientific knowledge. I mean, that has obviously been progressing at an absolutely insane rate, and really only in the last. In human history terms and, and certainly evolutionary terms, it's been a very, very quick increase. All of human history, all of human knowledge, like up to what, like the 1900s has doubled every subsequent five years or so? So, I mean, all of human history got us to the 1900, and since then, we have just been absolutely kicking ass on how much more we know about the world. Well, yeah, because all Again, these things build these on things each other. These things just keep escalating. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. That, that they escalate and they build on top of each other. And, yes, it's building quicker and quicker and quicker. And you can see that with the with the law of, uh, of processing that it's going to – processors will double in speed every so often and, you know, that, you know, and the extension of that. So, yeah, we, we can see it in, in very monetary types of things. I, I just think that these kinds of mindsets, they, 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 there has to be some grooming. Again, I, I don't disagree with you, and I think that's one of the reasons why the 60s was such an extraordinarily turbulent time for the people who were living in them. Sure. That there was a lot of change in a very short period, and to Ian's point, in a way that American history did not have a similar example. Well, American it history was might at not a rate have. that was un unprecedented. Well, history, yeah. I don't know. You could you could say that you know the inventions of trains and putting trains in you know across the across the continent probably had a lot of the same kinds. No, of no, I increase. don't disagree. Had had major major impacts, but I mean, just look at the society at that point. Well, they were much slower I, I, I'm, moving. I'm surprised yeah. you, you want to argue that the 60s were kind of just, you know, like any other generation. It, it was a well, okay. huge I, I, I guess I don't. I guess I, I don't want to. I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue that. I mean, I, I guess my point is, is that it, it's not I, – I don't see it necessarily as more transforming than everything else. And I guess what really got me started on this was, was Ian saying that they became more creative, and that's the one that – well, that, that's what got me work. started. I think creativity became more accepted. I look at – See, and I still – I disagree with that. I, That's my real I disagreement. Don't, yeah. I don't. I. I think that there's always been you know, those kind of hurdles. Yeah. You know, I. I. I think as far as the creation of these comic book icons, though, the 30s really started that off. So. But it died down. I think you. You look at it. It seems like it, it, it didn't hold the interest. A lot of people gave gave it up fairly quickly, and then here we are in the uh, 60s, and people embraced of, it so much more. A lot of people were recycling their comic books for the war. I'll tell you what. Mm -hmm. I will reflect on this. And let's move on, <laughs> because right, okay, because right. I I could be completely wrong, right, and I may not be just, getting the point across that I want to, but uh, I'm done. Let me just ask real quick. I, I know that I was born in the '60s. I know that Brian, you weren't. Ian, you weren't. Eric, I don't think you were. Kimberly, seventy one. Seventy one. Okay, so yeah. I am the eldest among us. Oh, You're great! Old. Let's hear from our elders. <laughs> let's have some wisdom. I was born the year that Doctor No came out, so. <laughs> and and this is an argument from authority in some way? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right. I no, because I, I didn't. I don't. I didn't. I didn't experience any more of the '60s than y'all did because I was two. And no, I, you got to enjoy the '70s. I, I guess the, the the point I'm not going to relent on is the idea that that people became more accepting of creativity. I, I think that folk tales and and these kinds of things that have happened for forever and you know I mean in all these different cultures that we're always telling stories. I I don't buy that at all. That that's the one point I I will hold firm on. Well, let's save it as a discussion for another time. I didn't expect this one to go this long, so let's yeah. move on. All right. Nope. Oh, well, okay. Well, we have to do this, don't we? Do, do, <laughs> do we? <laughs> Should we just let it go? There's too much to be said. I, I don't know. I, I think that this could get into quite a discussion. And what we're referring to oh, yeah. is our con- – is our. we did a little thing on um, Muslim weightlifters last week. A, a little story that has been – That's what I was expecting. I didn't it's think ex- it was that big. Well, it wasn't. It was, you know, but, you know. It was a little story that gained in strength. Yeah, it sure did. Well, and it ruined it the podcast. It became a for, topic. Right. It ruined the podcast for a couple of people. Completely really? ruined it. Yeah. Nothing, nothing, none, none of the other good stuff that we did on that compared to the bad press we got for one story. <laughs> I do hope we didn't lose anybody no, on I it. Um, I, 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 but we may have. No, I, don't, I doubt it. I, I mean, don't think we lost anybody. I don't know. There, anyway, well, anyway, there, I mean, there's been a comment. There's been, you know, a comment thread going. Um, you know what? I, I I don't think we should get into it too much. But if people are interested in what what some of the stuff that was said, they can check out our website. The comments are up there. All right. Yeah. Or and at I least think the... it's great. I think it's great to have people people talk back and 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 right. comment and and have and share their opinions. I think that's all. But, yeah. Terrific for those of you who have like to it. comment without making fun of you, without putting you down, we love the fact that you came and commented. We're just you know. And that's the thing we love. You know, that's the main thing we we'll point out. We love the fact that we got a response of some kind. I mean, we're still waiting for some hate mail from you know the religious side, but <laughs> they don't listen to us. They listen to the atheist experience. All right, let's move on. Let's do some science, shall we? Let's talk about science news. All right, something we can so all I disagree on. I found an article on, on uh, biofuel, and I, th- I think this is one of those kind of articles that's a little bit ahead of its time, a little bit maybe. Um, getting a little too excited about a science that's still in its infancy, but the the title of this one is "Oozing Biofuel: Algae Could Solve World Fuel Crisis." And um, what it's talking about are basically they've got some algae that they're able to um, produce ethanol, oil, and even diesel, which I'm I'm not quite sure how they're. I would I thought some of those needed to be refined before they could be produced, but either way, they're producing energy. Um, you power uh, things we can use to for energy. They're saying that it could even go straight into cars, and um, as opposed to some of the other things that we've seen, like ethanol coming from corn, um, this is going to be algae. That's all it really needs is sunlight, carbon dioxide, and seawater. So it should be um, as this technology matures easier to get that kind of material we've obviously got carbon dioxide we've got seawater and we've got sunlight um you can kind of put this anywhere so in places that would otherwise not be able to sustain um agriculture you could put these kind of plants there maybe um and i mean plants as in factories of of these algae um farms and produce energy from from that kind of a source and again we've talked about some of this before we had we had that article a couple of weeks ago on the um the furniture that used 
what was it? I guess decaying matter to produce electricity, yeah. okay. and this is just another source of, of of energy. I just thought it was really um, really interesting. I mean, I, it it sounds like one of those perfect systems. It's going to take carbon dioxide out of the air. We've got too much of that with global warming, and turn it into you know oil, which you know is a finite resource on the planet. So. Um, but it, but it, so it sounds really interesting. They're doing a lot of work on it. Apparently, a lot of money is getting thrown into this. Um, but I do want to stress that at this point, it's it's certainly not scalable or cost effective enough to yeah. you know run out and replace everything. It's interesting, it. but the you know I I guess I, I I really think I don't know the 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 title bothers me. Could solve world's fuel crisis because I think mm-hmm. any time that we put all of our investment into one thing instead of diversifying. That we that we are really, and I think that I think that they're looking at other things, right? So this is just one person's opinion that this could solve everything, right. but it concerns me that they that these kinds of titles, because I, I don't think any one thing is going to save us. It's got to be a combination mm-hmm. of things. Um, but I, well, I do think it's interesting. For attention, yeah, I know that's it, it, yeah, it's it's sensationalistic instead of realistic. So yeah, I think I think that these kinds of um, technologies are interesting, and I'm certainly glad they're working on them because because they could um, not only you know are we turning algae into fuels, they they they're finding ways to turn other sorts of waste into fuels. And one of the things I liked that they talked about was ethanol, which I think is a, a total bust. Um, I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that we that we're continuing to try to uh, promote this as any any less polluting than. Um, than gasoline because yeah coming out of your tailpipe it may be less polluting but the pollution that goes into manufacturing it and the resources that it takes to manufacture it really make it not a very good solution and and that's one of the things that they addressed in here that i thought was really interesting and if this is better than that solution then yeah it's definitely got to be pursued if if it really is you know for for the energy put into it putting out you know a good amount of energy and it look you know it's almost like a solar technology the way that the way that they kind of presented it so it was really interesting you know anybody who's ever had a fish tank knows that algae is ridiculously easy to grow and ridiculously hard to stop from growing yeah so it's definitely going to be a lot easier to make algae grow than it is to make corn grow heck corn takes an effort algae just simply takes not watching for a couple of minutes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Mold's good to do that way too. If we can figure out somebody to do that with mold, we'll be in good shape. Yep. All right. So just interesting science. Stuff. Absolutely. Yep. Consumer Reports checks up on the effectiveness of alternative treatments. You can imagine I loved this article. Oh, yes. This is your baby, <laughs> Brian. <laughs> I'm going to be quite the contrarian tonight, man. I think I got push a problem with everything push. in here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the, the, I have two articles here. One's from the, um, our local news, Nine News, which is a summary of the b- bigger consumer reports one. But basically, um, what it, it says is that Consumer Reports did a poll with its readers about um, alternative therapies and how effective the readers found them compared to actual doctor prescribed medicines and stuff. And in most of the cases, the doctor prescribed medicines. Um, were claimed to have worked better than yoga and stuff like that. The one thing that Brian's already going to go off on, <laughs> because he's not the first that um, worked better than the doctor prescribed stuff was chiropractic treatment for back pain. And I don't have as much of a problem with this as you might think. Um, because pain is very subjective to placebo effects. And we're talking about people that are um, self-reporting here. 
And, and this is clearly a self-reported study. Well, and, and that's fine. I, I, I'm okay with that for pain, actually. Um, because if people well, are actually also, feeling better, they are actually improving their quality of life if they feel better. You know, I, I know from my personal um, muscle pains that back rubs and foot rubs and stuff do make me feel better. Right. And I think there is you know, something to, you know, the, uh, it, we can look up the science on it. Does rubbing muscles actually physically do something to alleviate the pain? I think it does. Well, you're, I, you're bringing blood flow back to the muscles when you do massage. Right. Um, you're not quite doing the same thing when you do chiropractic because that's a, a quick, fast adjustment. And I would think that in some cases that that might aggravate certain um, conditions. And, uh, well, that, that, that was another thing that I was a bit curious about is the difference between chiropractic and actual massage stuff. Mm-hmm. The one thing I, uh, the, about massage, though, um, the, the, the science shows that about seven hours after massage, you go back to baseline. And I don't see why that would be any different with chiropractic, that you know your body is going to go back to what it considers its baseline. And when you're making those kinds of quick adjustments like that, you, yes, you, 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 you change it for a certain amount of time, but your body is slowly creeping back to that position that, you know, that it's comfortable with. But that's also the same thing with pain relievers. You take pain reliever for back pain, mm-hmm. it's going to work after a time. So yeah, no, you know, and uh, that's exactly it. Yeah, I, I I I agree with that. And and if we can find something that is safe safer than than these medications and and give and is giving better relief, perhaps the the um, the benefit versus risk analysis uh, mm-hmm. works out. But uh, the other stuff that they looked into was depression. Uh, apparently, according to this, yoga and meditation helped about 35%, while 75% of those using um, prescription drugs found, it, found the drugs effective. And right. with cold, flu, and allergies, prescription medications were deemed much more helpful than nutrient supplements such as vitamin C. So some of this is stuff like you can, you know, it, it d- definitely backs up what we believe in. Well, I'll be bashing we, vitamin C later. Yeah, I saw that. So... You know, it, it was an interesting study worth looking at because this, you know, while this might not be 100% scientific, it is um, a poll of, you know, consumer part readers, and they're looking at this is what they say. This is the claims, what people are experiencing. The, you know, so it's worth looking at. Yeah. And uh, the, the, to give Brian his Okay. Time. I was going to, yeah, I was going to, you know, the one thing I did find about this is that the way that Nine News reported this was kind of shitty. Um, yeah, but that's why I put in the actual consumer report, which is good because the, the consumer reports article was very good, and they're very clear at the end about stating, "Listen, these are uh, they they didn't take into account the the placebo effect, and that these were you know consumer reported results, and to, and to you know and to really look at that when you're looking at this stuff." And so, consumer reports was very fair. I really liked that article, but the way that Nine News reported it is they left all that stuff out. They rearranged the statistics so that they can show that, hey, look. What the chiropractic is really good for this, and then and then and then they wash over the rest of it. Very, you know. So I, I, I read the Consumer but Reports article. Summarize it somehow, and that's how they picked the summer. Yeah, well, I'm not impressed. <laughs> now, you know that I go for a chiropractic adjustment about every couple months. I do. Don't let them touch your neck. They touch my neck. Yeah, well, that's where the problem is. The, All the, right, go uh, ahead and talk about okay. the problem, but I, I will I will address it when you're done. That's fine. Go ahead. So, the, so, and they we don't have a lot of good numbers. The the problem with chiropractic is is that there aren't isn't any. I mean, there's there's really no good data to show that it that it that it's really effective. I know that in the short term, you know, you get an adjustment, you feel better, but over the long term, it's not fixing anything. And that's one of the issues that I have with chiropractic is that it it doesn't really address. 
um, an overall condition. And pain medications are doing the, the same thing. I, I, I admit that. Um, and so one of the things that they have found is there is um, quite a bit, well, not quite a bit, not as much as there should be, um, but they have been looking at um, neck adjustments and what, what it's doing to the neck, and they have correlated this to a lot of, um, of strokes that have happened. And some people have had strokes immediately after it, and some have had strokes shortly after. The problem is that chiropractors don't follow up with their patients it, it, um, like, like perhaps they should to collect this kind of data. And so there have been several people that we know were killed from chiropractic adjustments. Um, and primarily what is a lot and what is several? The numbers are somewhere around, um, as far as strokes go, they think somewhere around 1,000 people a year in the United States. But the problem is, is that they're not tracking this stuff well enough. But um, if you look at the, the stuff from Quackwatch, he did a pretty good job. I mean, he's, his resources are pretty thorough here that he went through and he checked. So we know that in some of these cases that it, the chiropractic adjustment caused the stroke. Now, one of the issues that the chiropractors are saying, well, the stroke would have happened anyway. And that may or may not be true. We don't have any way of judging that. But we do know that in these cases, if, they, if it would have happened later, they certainly helped it happen quicker. I, I'm not sure I'm totally up with you on the cause and certainlies. Perhaps. I mean, yeah. They, well, I mean, they, they showed that it happened afterwards, just the same way that Jenny McCarthy is showing me that her kid got autism okay. after there was a vaccination. I mean, I, I, the, to your point, there's not enough study here. Right. There's totally not, and and I just think you know, getting on the bandwagon of bashing could be a little bit dangerous here. I wanted more info. And I, wa- I well, tried to dig. Wasn't there? Yeah. It's it, you're right. It's not there. But the issue that I have is that we don't have any evidence that these things are beneficial. And and but we and we have a growing amount of anecdotes that I think warrant an investigation. Well, yeah, but you've got anecdotal evidence of benefit versus anecdotal evidence of harm. And that's fine. But these things have to be sorted out. If there's anything to them, then it needs to be addressed. Here's my problem, Brian. You're confusing the light side of chiropractic with the dark side of chiropractic. Neck adjustment and a stroke, dark side of chiropractic. What's the benefit of a neck adjustment? And show loosens, me the data. Loosens my damn neck up. Show me the data. Okay. I, 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 I'm, I'm tired of anecdotes here. <laughs> <laughs> no. Show, show, I mean, I want to see, see measurements of, of before and after you know, for, for that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I want to see that there's a significant amount of benefit to account for the risk. And I want to see if, if, if any of these things add up. And here's the thing is that I, I don't know how you do sham chiropractic is one of the things that's going to make this kind of thing difficult to test. I'm not talking about sham chiropractic. I'm actually talking about the dark side. That's the one where you give in to your hate, focus on your anger, then do the adjustment. Whenever Darth Vader does chiropractic, people die. That's true. There that's you true. go. No, but here my, my whole issue with chiropractic is, is that it's everywhere, and there's not enough data to show that the, that the benefits are worth it. Yes, people feel – and I think massage might be – I don't know. I, you know, since somebody goes into for deep tissue massage, I, I, I haven't seen the same kind of negative results from that, even anecdotally. Well, and, and, that, and that's, I think, one of the problems I've got with the definitions of things. I mean, on one hand, the, the traditional chiropractic as it goes all the way back to when it got started and some of the claims it makes about, you know, it, it, you know it goes into this whole chi and your energy and aligning things and all that kind of crap, yeah. um, which I disagree with. But 
is that what really chiropractors are doing most of the time? I went to one after a small car accident I had, and it was mostly just massage and um, and stuff like that. Like it, they didn't tell me they were going to cure me of cancer. I didn't have cancer, but you right. know what I'm saying? Like there wasn't this whole mythology that went on it. It was specific. It. Um, it helped. I mean, I, I had I, I banged up my legs and, you know, it didn't it didn't fix everything. And I'm sure time would have fixed most of it, too. But it, it wasn't a bad experience for me. But at the same time, it, it wasn't the woo chiropractic right. that I'm with you on that. I, I okay. don't like the woo but, part. But part of the but I'm not sure that that's what we're all talking well, about. Here. I, but part of the issue here is that if they were actually were to to. to to research this more, I think that there is some issues about the way that chiropractors are licensed and that they might mm-hmm. end up being licensed as – they might have to become licensed as physical therapists. And so I think that that, that they might not want that. So, so the definitions get kind of, um, kind of screwy as to what, what they're claiming they can actually do. But if right, if, I mean the articles talked about like you know sixty percent of Americans have are, you know use alternative medicine, including chiropractic, massage, right. and yoga. Well, I, I do massage and yoga. I'm not a wooer. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm no, part of no, that 60%, no. but that's BS if you're putting me in that category. Here's... I'm not sitting here telling you that my yoga gets my chi in place. I'm not telling you that massage is getting out my bad energy. Right. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's too vague. I am not an alternative medicine practitioner by my definition of it, but apparently I'm, a, I'm an alternative medicine practitioner by their definition. You know what? And though? I had a major problem with that. Yeah, I, I, I can, and I can see your point there. I, and I'm not telling anybody not to go get an adjustment, but I am, but I am saying maybe you don't let them touch your neck. And it's like acupuncture. Acupuncture doesn't do anything, and there's we have good data to show that. But if you want to go get acupuncture, make sure they clean the needles properly. That would be the main thing. Is you know, because make sure that you reduce your risk of infection and that there that everything is sanitized properly. And so even so, all these things that if you want to do them, I think that you just need to make sure that you're doing them safely. And particularly with this one, if there is a risk of stroke, and and this seems to be in younger people, so Mac is probably not at risk. <laughs> I am at risk of stroke for so many other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but my issue with all of these alternative medicine things is because here's the thing is that there is so many people claiming that chiropractic helps them. And certainly it, it, we, we see data points that people feel better afterwards, right? Yeah. So by all means, go get your adjustment. But what if there is a risk of, of stroke from having your neck adjusted? Don't you think that this needs to really be looked at? I think it sure. needs to be looked at, but there's, you know, the the data gathering that you've got so far. I don't know if it justifies your your vehemence on this. My vehemence is on. My like vehemence is because they say it's you're five percent. You're five times yeah. more likely to have a stroke. Well, what was my original chance? One I, in ten yeah. million. Because I mean that's again the numbers in here in, in these even the Quack Watch and Science Block. Oh, it's one in forty thousand adjustments to one in ten million. Um, yeah, you need to set your error bars a little fucking tighter than that, dude. Sure. That is that is that is garbage science right there, and that's our side. Yeah, that's, that okay. bothers me a lot. All right, Kimberly, I do want to make a point about the yoga. Um, you guys probably remember a while back when we did that article about yoga causing people to turn away from God and creating atheists and so on and so forth. Kimberly, you are you are just another statistic, a sad, oh, wow. sad little statistic. <laughs> No, I, 
these these things, like I said, I want to come up, uh, on on the side of science and okay. stuff. But this these articles, and again, and the loose definition of what alternative therapy and even what chiropractic is, I think is a huge problem here. I see the same thing with the homeopathy kind of thing. Yep. And I realize these are separate topics, but no, they're the same. You know, there's there's the traditional. Um, what what that I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but um, the guy who started it, Hanna Samuel Hahnemann. Hahnemann. Yeah. Hahnemann had this whole kind of mythology thing to it, and and like from what I understand, for anyone to actually prepare a single homeopathic treatment the way it's supposed to would require more water than has ever existed. <laughs> so right. clearly, nobody is actually doing it. But then that brings up the point of, you know, like we've talked about before, if you get a homeopathic remedy, find out if there are active ingredients in it. By the definition of homeopathy, there can Whoa. be no active ingredients. Yeah. By the practice of homeopathy, there are very often active ingredients. Therefore, there are results from taking that medicine because you're taking medicine. So, again, you, you, we shouldn't be calling it homeopathy at that point. We should be calling it unregulated medication. Yeah. Well. But we but again and the same thing with chiropractic. If people are twisting your neck around and they're stretching your arteries and stuff like that, we should call that one thing and getting a good massage so you feel a little loosened up even if it is to your point for a few hours. Maybe we should be calling that something else because when we when we combine them all into one, I don't think we're I don't think we're impressing anybody okay. or getting our point across. No, I and but the other thing is that chiropractic is making claims. So back them up. If, if that's the case and these things are really doing what they claim they are, let's see it. Let's see the data. Show me. And that's what I want. Ultimately, that's mm -hmm. all I want. Well, when I go into the chiropractor, what I want is a looser back, and that's what I come out with. For a couple and of And looser hours. back, I mean, is yeah. one of those phrases that scientifically doesn't mean a whole lot. Right. I'm, okay. not, I'm not disavowing how you uh, feel, but how, how do about, I, what, what how about less, like, less pain and no spasms when I bend over? That's what I'm looking for when I go to the chiropractor, and that's what I get. Right. Okay. You're reporting no pain, which we, we've talked about before at the beginning of this, to Brian's point, is subjective. And, right. you know, the experience of the spasms at the same point is, is fairly objective, too. If we stuck you on, a, on an EKG, I wonder what we would find in the case that you feel a spasm and after your appointment where you don't feel it. The same energy could be, or, you know, electricity could be running through your muscles. And and this is conjecture. I don't know. I haven't done the study either. I'm not claiming anything. Mm -hmm. But you know what I'm saying? Like, th those I are, do. to Brian's point, what the science should be proving one way or the and other. I'm not, I'm not claiming anything, anything more than anecdotal on mine, but you know, to me, the less point, the less pain point is pretty fucking specific. Well, and it is. And that's why I go. But, but and pain is particularly susceptible to the placebo effect. And but once again, like I said, if people come out and they're feeling better, this does improve their quality of life. So I so I, I wouldn't take it away from you. OK, but I do think that there is if you tried to take it away from me, I'd have to do a neck adjustment. on you. <laughs> well, see, and I don't want to have a stroke <laughs> and I don't think anybody wants to have a stroke. And I think that we, we have enough people that we have seen harm that 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 is correlated, but maybe not, but maybe not causation, back to chiropractic. And I want it flushed out. 
I agree. It needs okay. flushing out. It needs to not be it just the same way that other things get a pass from the same rigors of evidence and science and, you know, back up your claims. Chiropractic is definitely one of those places where apparently we just all turn a blind eye to it. To your point, and they're not certified the same way that a doctor is. And that's they're not I'm, certified the yeah. same way a physical therapist is. And right. And I think they should be. And, I, and do, that, I agree that. And that's where my vehement – that's where I get so angry is because we are turning a blind eye to this. We're not looking right. at it's it. It's got We're, special pleading for no good reason. That's, and that's why I'm so pissed. That's why I get mm-hmm. so angry. Okay. So, so that's, why, right. th- that's why I'm angry. Okay. Let us take your anger and <laughs> talk about two moons. Okay. I'm not angry about this. <laughs> what, if people, two okay. people moon you? You're not angry? No, I'm never angry about that, particularly – if they're models, can I get models to moon me? It doesn't have to be models. So, Anybody can moon me, whatever. So, so well, back to that, that nonsense story that uh, Beetlejuice was going to go supernova and that we'd have two suns in the sky. But this is a more realistic thing that at one point in time in the past, Earth may have had two moons. Uh, this is a hypothesis. So, so it's, it's been modeled, but nothing's proven on it. Um, but basically, there's a recent other hypothesis that the moon was formed when a, a Mars-sized object hit the Earth and shot up a bunch of stuff, and that formed a moon. So between this, this people are saying that between that impact and uh, for about 80 million years after that, there were two moons, and then they had a slow collision, which is why one side of the moon is rougher and thicker than the other side of the moon. Yeah, I thought that this was pretty interesting. You know, here's I remember in... Um when I, when I was doing astronomy in, what, junior high? That the Earth does have two moons. Don't we have we, – I mean we have some other things in orbit that are small that we, that we don't normally see, but they are in orbit with us. Is, isn't that – is that not true? I don't know uh, about that one. Because I, yeah. I thought we had three moons, but the other two were small, so small that we, we couldn't see them with the naked eye, but, they were, but, the, but these rocks were in orbit with us. You know, it's stuff that really? we had collected. I, yeah, and I, I suppose there might be asteroids orbiting us, but I don't yeah, know. I don't know. I, I should look into that I'm a little bit more. I know there's some in like Kuiper orbit around it or something. Yeah, I don't know. Shadow, yeah. Well, then there's the Trojan. Um, what is it? What are they right. calling it? a Trojan asteroid that is in one of our gravity wells that that right, the Earth creates right. in our orbit, and that's that was pretty cool. That was an interesting find. But this would suggest is, that it was a noticeably. You know, I'm, I'm guessing you could see it with the naked eye. From yeah, the, yeah, it would have been. Yeah. Like a 30% the size of the other one, I think it was. Right. So, I mean, that's significant. That's a lot of cheese. You know, if there's a Trojan <laughs> asteroid in orbit around Earth, I'm just thinking Air the Greeks crunch. inside it must be really cold. <laughs> <laughs> and probably hungry. Uh, that's funny. Has anybody seen the new Thundercats? Yes. No. So when, when that thing got delivered, did you go Trojan horse? Yeah, I told the kids. I said that's a Trojan horse. They're like, "What's that?" I'm like, just watch. Spoilers. Yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. It's it's at the very beginning. Okay. All right. Sorry. Sorry. I'm not saying anything more. <laughs> and so far, it's a good series, though. I've actually been liking it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, only two episodes in, but <laughs> wow, boy, I derailed us. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. All right. I guess there wasn't much to say about the moons, but yeah, no. it, was there. it was there. We're gonna. I'm gonna skip my it's antioxidant awesome. rant. Uh, well, I'll do that next week. Doctors and pomegranates. The the doctor and the pomegranate. It's it's basically how um, antioxidants really aren't doing anything. And I mean, and the side effects aren't terrible if if you don't consider death a terrible side effect. 
Well, only, if it happens to somebody see, else. Well, exactly. The I mean, one problem I had with the article is it contradicted some of the stuff in one of the linked articles. Yeah. And that was you know, referring to it causing death. They said in cases where people have the cancer, it seems to be advancing cancer. Otherwise, they're, they're basic vitamins for you that you actually do need in your system. Okay. So, so th- this is – okay. Well, we better go ahead and just talk about it now. So so basically <laughs> – this is another one of of ones that um, actually I've been talking about for a while. Is this whole antioxidant myth, um, and that the data is showing that, that that a lot of the claims for for what antioxidants are capable of doing aren't actually happening. And when you start looking back at the history of where this came from, um, they were talking about um, protection from like gamma radiation, and and they found that antioxidants help to repair some of that kind of damage. And so people made the jump to other sorts of um, of ailments that seemed similar but really weren't and that the antioxidants might not actually be helping. And interestingly enough, to, to your point, Ian, I, I have um, – as I've been reading articles about this, I have found articles that, 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 so, that show that antioxidants may prevent certain types of cancer. I, and I've seen that, unlike what you were saying, that once you, if you have cancer, that there's a potential that antioxidants can um, help the tumor to grow, um, and that's one of the issues with vitamin C is that it's that it is a very, um, it's a very powerful antioxidant, and that it, in, in some of those cases that um, um, that you already have cancer, it, it can promote the cancer growth. And I guess, and breast cancer seems to be one of the ones that is particularly an issue. Um, for antioxidants and cancer growth. But I did also, like you're saying, find some um, – um, uh, the, there are some studies that seem to show that antioxidants may help, the, um, may help to prevent cancer. So this is another one of these ones where I think a lot of this goes back – and if you read Denialism by Michael Spector, have you guys read this book? Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, it's a very good book. Yep. He he talks about this specifically, and I think – and I'm, if I remember it correctly, he um, relates it back to um, – um, to red wine and how the French, you know, for whatever reason, seemed to have a lower incident of cancer, and they and the, and so they, um, you know, they correlated it back to red wine, and they and and red wine had antioxidants, and 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 so it just kind of propagated this myth. Um, and I've been and I've been saying for a while that you know the, everything in balance because there has also been some there now um, I put in a. Um, Another uh, link to somebody talking about how um, oxidants help to toughen up the cell and, and help to prevent cancers and stuff like that. So, so by killing all the antioxidants, you may be softening the cells, and, that's in, that, and that was an interesting study. So I, like most things, everything in moderation. Um, there also I, I remember reading another, uh, an, another article talking about how um, the immune system used oxidants or, or these free radicals rather. Um, to, to fight off infections. So this is an interesting um, uh, bit of research that's being done. But in the end, I wouldn't worry about trying to get more antioxidants. Is basically what it came down to for me. I like pomegranate juice. I will continue to drink it. But I don't think it's going to give me cancer. <laughs> or prevent you from getting cancer. Or prevent me from getting cancer. I will drink it because I like it. You, you know, it, this, you know, that's why and, I drink it. Right. The, the other thing that they're saying, antioxidants uh, per, to prevent aging and stuff like that, and there's no evidence to support that. Um, in fact, they, you know, they, there's, a, there's a recent article that, that came out that shows that people who are living to be 90 and 100 years old um, aren't living any sort of different – any special lifestyle that is, is doing, helping them to do it. It's all about genes. So if you want to live longer, select better grandparents. <laughs> You've been listening to APR as well. As I have. Wasn't that a good – that was really fun, wasn't it? 
And I and I and I read about this somewhere else, and I've read about it a couple different places. It's it's all over the place. So anyway, we should so. maybe change the podcast to the Panacea Buzzkill because this <laughs> is what it all comes down to, right? Right, exactly. Nothing is as it seems. <laughs> Anything that says that it's the answer for everything is bullshit. Is not. <laughs> that really is. That, that's almost how we sum up like half uh, the articles we do. I know. How about forty-two. I know. <laughs> But, but 42 I, is the exception that proves the rule. I just couldn't get worked up over antioxidants after I already got worked up over chiropractic. It's kind of all out of me now. I'm feeling actually I'm feeling really good. This is very therapeutic for for me. I, I really want to thank everybody for bringing these articles so that I could vent. I, I really feel much better. Thank you. You know, if you're running low on energy, Brian, maybe you should get some acupuncture done or maybe take a bunch of vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> this, this podcast is his chiropractic and then antioxidants. <laughs> it is. You know, it is very, very therapeutic for me. I thank you for supporting my therapy. Thank you all. All right. All right. Let's talk about animal intelligence. Well, this all started off when I started studying Navy SEALs and Navy dolphins. Nice. Um, this was a cool little article on CNN that my wife sent me. They have uh, been since the 1960s. They've been training dolphins and sea lions to detect sea mines and swimmers and to, you know, basically recover inner ordnance and testing objects. But uh, they've got a couple of videos on here. They, uh, the Navy's not telling us how effective they've actually been so far. And, you know, what we're looking at here is we may be looking at an article that's basically when they're looking at cutting military funding, they're looking at an article that shows us cute, cute animals. Because, oh. you know, who doesn't love dolphins and sea lions? But what um, they showed in the videos pairing? was that this CNN reporter basically tried to get close to a ship, and the dolphin caught him within, like, 50 feet and tagged him with a marker so that he could be found. The dolphin caught him, whether he was on the surface, whether he was swimming way along the bottom of the water. The dolphin spotted him every time. And then they released the sea lion which swam down and locked a clamp on the guy's leg so he could be reeled in. And this was the part that I really loved is because <laughs> I'm sitting here going, the sea line just booted him like a parked car. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But, um, you know, essentially they are, they're being trained for, they're being trained for protection of the ships. I think they're also being trained for rescue and, you know, obviously, from what I saw in the videos, it looks like they're treating these animals particularly well. But the fact that they can be trained to do these things is, I don't know, just kind of impressive. And it made me go looking for other examples well, of animal can, intelligence. Can I ask one question? I, did this say anything? It's not like these dolphins are being kept in, cage, in cages. They could potentially leave at any time. Don't they stay pretty much by their own will? Well, they're actually carried on the ship, and they can be de deployed by cargo craft but yeah they return right i mean they could take off at any time um and i thought i thought there were some other dolphin colonies that they that you know that they had these kinds of relationships with that the dolphins did these things by choice that they lived yeah. in the sea and they stayed in this area and you know and and they had some sort of a working relationship and that's kind of what this looks like to me because I, I i don't see if, if the dolphin wasn't getting something from this the dolphin I, wouldn't come back they'd leave right i mean right. I, I think I, the dolphin is pretty pretty clearly going to be able to outswim anything in the water. So, and you know, for that matter, these dolphins, they mark the swimmers. They don't kill them, but it would be ridiculously easy for a dolphin to kill a swimmer. Oh, yeah. Hey, we they, don't want false positives. 
they can <laughs> dolphin bottlenose bottle dolphins are able to kill sharks with with a fair degree of of uh, impunity. Mm-hmm. So and porpoises and other things. Yeah, they can do it on porpoise too. <laughs> All right, go on. Sorry. Anyway, I we, I know we talked in the past about Corvid intelligence. Turn to do a joke. <laughs> um, we talked in the past about Corvid intelligence. We talked in the past about Parrot intelligence. So I went looking for other stuff here, and the next article I came up with on this was I came up with a the study. The original study was called Behavioral Flexibility and Problem Solving in a Pro, in a Tropical Lizard. And it took me a little bit of work to find the actual study name because all the articles just kind of reference things from the study. But what they discovered is that these anoles, which are, you know, not particularly large lizards, but they're, these are a Puerto Rican variety of anoles. If anybody's ever bought the uh, little false chameleons from the pet store, those are anoles. Anyway, um... They found, though, that these anoles were able to adapt their behavior to be able to lift a lid off a hole and figure out where the worm was at under the lid within fewer tries than some birds could. They also found that when they mixed up the holes with the, with the worms and the holes with the lids, the lizards kept the behavior, and they were still able to remove the lid and get the, ho- get the worm as easily as before. All right. So I took note that he apparently decided to discriminate and not include invertebrate in this. Uh you you did bring in that thing about uh you did bring in that thing about the uh cephalopods and that is very yeah. cool. Yeah, oh yeah, and that that's actually one thing I've been hearing more and more about lately is that, you know, squid and octopi apparently are actually very intelligent creatures. And you know, I, I think that's actually one of the more interesting things because the you know most most of the stuff you're talking about here are mammals, which we're going to automatically assume hey they're more like us. And then you got reptiles, which is a little bit further away, but still you know they got backbones. So here we are, invertebrate, which are really a distinctively different um, species than us that are showing some really um, impressive intelligence, communication, manipulation of tools, stuff like that. Plus their ability to camouflage themselves. This the, nobody's better at this than the cephalopods. That's true, right, Eric? Right, we're back to Science Friday again. Yes, we are. Did you watch that video? Third time star. Ah, oh, uh, no, I didn't see it. Oh, it's excellent. There was a, there was an article in there that I found also on raccoons, talking about the fact that a 1908 study showed they were able to open 11 of 13 complex locks, and even when the locks were mixed up and turned upside down, they were able to open them again. They were also able to d- distinguish between symbols on boxes that held two, three, or four grapes, and they always went to the box with the most fruit. So they they're able to recognize symbols and and to uh, act upon that recognition. Uh, the article in here called "Is Your Dog Smarter Than a Toddler?" <laughs> um, let's see. They're talking about this one that's a labradoodle that they cannot be kept in a kennel. You put her in it, and she'll be sitting there when you leave the room, and then you notice that she's standing next to you after you've left the room. Hmm. I've heard about that with people's dogs before, um, and, and usually the anecdote also has that the cage is still locked, which kind of suggests to me that it's maybe not so much of an intelligence thing as a faulty cage kind of thing. But people are real impressed by it. Well, the thing that caught me is the fact that at one point they backed the kennel cage, the kennel door up against the wall, and a few minutes later, they had the dog next to him. 
So right, but like, again, you know, if the, if the the thing was unlocked, you know, and and we were trying to figure out, well, how did the dog unlock the door? That would be one thing. But if it's still True. locked, clearly there's got to be a different explanation. It's right. It's either phasing wormhole, wormhole, Schrodinger, or... Schrodinger's dog. It doesn't right. say. But no. I got the impression that it was unlocked each time, or when it was tied up, it was. Uh... Yeah, they didn't say. Yeah, they usually don't say. <laughs> <laughs> there was an article in here about sperm whales using their grandmothers to watch their young. So hmm. they saw a large adult female with a juvenile and three calves, and only one of those could possibly be her own. So she was, she had to have been babysitting. Oh, yeah, I've heard yeah. I've heard that before. You know what? With with a species that's that intelligent, I, I really you know that, that I don't find that surprising. I th- I think it's neat that they're observing it. What's that, Eric? And that social. Yeah, and that social. Yeah, yeah, that that's is, true. It's interesting. All right. So, should we create animals with human-like intelligence? Well, no. No. Uh, we've seen Planet of the Apes. Well, <laughs> actually, no, because I'd rather let them. Um, do I don't care what the new movie says. It was nuclear weapons that did it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but um, to me, the idea of trying to force them to have human-like intelligence might actually screw up their natural development. Yeah. You know, let them develop their intelligence on their own. If they, if they, you know, our definition of intelligence is what we like to define it as. We don't know, you know, that that's one of the things you know I, why I put in the squid and octopus and stuff is because we don't know how they're intelligent. They're, they're so far removed from us. We know they are intelligent and can figure things out, but you know. Uh, their the, the intelligence is definitely different from human intelligence, and it could go off in some really impressive ways if they um, evolved over the next few million years. Why, why try and force human intelligence on animals? If I may break in with our uh, Douglas you absolutely Adams. May. For instance, <laughs> on the planet Earth, man had always assumed that he was more intelligent than dolphins because he'd achieved so much. The wheel, New York, wars, and so on. Whilst all the dolphins had ever done was muck about in the water having a good time. But conversely, the dolphins had always believed that they were far more intelligent than man for precisely the same reasons. <laughs> Absolutely. I always, uh, I always love the Far Side cartoon that has the, the humans trying to communicate with the dolphins. And they've got all these things written up on the board, like buenos dias, que pasa. And the scientists are saying, he's making another one of those strange bueno dias noises. It's got to mean something. <laughs> I didn't find this article itself very interesting, but the uh, two articles it links to from the arguments of the futurists, especially the counter-argument, I found very compelling. So, hmm. You're talking about the should we create animals with human-like intelligence? Yeah. It's just, it's, I, thought the, I thought the guy's viewpoint was interesting. It would actually be unethical, negligent, and hypocritical of humans to enhance only themselves and ignore the larger community of sapient non-human animals. So he actually would consider it to be negligent of us not to help to enhance animals intelligence but really and and isn't it and wouldn't it be um uh unfair for us to do this to them without their consent without intelligence can they have consent well and i I, here we're no i mean that we're we're going down a a completely different road now because yeah why don't you go ahead why don't you go ahead and sum up the the counter article to it uh that it's far more egocentric to our human egocentric to view ourselves as an evolutionary pinnacle that all animals would inspire to achieve. Um, we're placing our values of what we are and what, sh- what they should be upon. Them. I mean, so in other uh, words, Ian's Ian's argument as well. Because uh, yep. 
why wouldn't we wish to endow our primate cousins with the same cognitive assist that we have? Because they are not us. Right. Yeah. Well, I honestly think, of, you know, let evolution it's, take its, its place and hopefully these creatures will do better than us. It's the whole myth of evolution as uh, having a, a goal, having a, a pinnacle, there, and that we are it. Right. Well, we've always liked to share our gifts with people we consider to be lesser. <laughs> so... You know, it would, great, it would certainly be interesting just to, you know, be able to communicate with, with another creature that has its own, you know, just very different point of view. But, you know, we've we've always been effectively talking to ourselves, right? I mean, we don't have any other examples of a of an intelligence that developed on its own or just from a, a perspective we don't have. We have a data There's set such of a one. shared com- common, you know, human experience that... Yeah. You know, hey, speak- no matter how diverse the thoughts are, they're they're kind of got a lot in common. Hey, speak for yourself, Kim. Oh. I talk to my <laughs> birds all the time. <laughs> yeah, but you really want to know what they think of you? I know what they think of me. <laughs> Chi-chi wachi. I don't know what it means, but I know what they think of me. <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else? No, guess not. Nope. All right. Well, thanks for my therapy session. You're welcome. That'll be $500. 500 All right. Very good. Very good. Um, will you take that in ruples? <laughs> and your, your chi is aligned now and yes, everything? My you're, chi. you're good? Yeah. I think I'm getting a little reiky. I think that'll Perhaps help. 20, you know, maybe in 10 years, the ruples will be worth more. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> reiki, you know, that is... That, that reiki is that Japanese art of healing through garden implements, right? <laughs> I got a massage um, like a week or two ago, and it was a great massage. I mean, I felt terrific afterwards, and I was just kind of lying there with my eyes closed, and it was like the end of the massage, and, and I just thought that she was kind of finishing up. And I, I opened my eyes, and she's doing like energy manipulations on oh. me. And I was like, oh, man, without my permission. And like it went from like the best massage to like, oh, that right. sucked. That would, that would ruin it for me you for felt, sure. You felt dirty. Yeah. Just never open your eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was just too funny because I was all ready to be like, oh, I'm totally coming back. And then I had to be like, nope, nope, I still haven't found found my person yet. All right. <laughs> well, this week people can hey, complain my, about me ruining the podcast for them. My chiropractor's got a table that will just beat you back into shape. <laughs> and it doesn't do any energy manipulation. It just rollers your back. Yeah, I've tried those. Those are nice. All right. Is there anything else? I guess not. We're going to call it a short one I, this time, huh? Uh, no. <laughs> we have oh. gone over. <laughs> We've been no. at this for an hour and a half. Uh, yep. <laughs> oh. Oh. Actually, the I do want to throw one more. I do want to throw one more thing in here, real quick. We just figured out uh, one. Sam, my wife, just figured out a piece of our parrotlet's behavior. She always is dropping food holes into her water, and. My wife this afternoon figured out what that was for, which is that she's actually dropping food holes in there to test the depth of the water and to see if there's anything in the water that's going to hurt her. So it's just a kind of cool little instinct piece that we... that we. Uh, How do you prove that? Well, <laughs> we're going on supposition. Okay. I'm going to let it stand because I don't want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> good night, everybody. All right, good night. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. 
You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics Podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to mindspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons No Derivatives 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Amateur Skeptics website, Facebook, and podcast album art is provided by and copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Larger prints or custom pieces are available upon request. 